The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Our ancestors knew their Bible. This medieval map from about 1300 shows the known world, and at the very center is the holy city of Jerusalem. Today, Jerusalem is still the apple of God's eye. It's from Jerusalem that Jesus commanded the word of the Lord should go forth into all the world. That witness is what the Jerusalem Channel is all about. It's only through the support of you, the viewers, that we can continue to bring video teachings and daily website updates of what God is doing in these last days. For viewers in the United States, our ministry is tax-deductible, and in the UK we're a registered charity to qualify for gift aid. You can make a credit card donation through our secure website or by check to our postal addresses in the US and UK. Please help us to continue and expand this outreach of the gospel through the Jerusalem Channel. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all of your iniquities, he heals all of your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. But giving thanks to God is something even the most diligent believers can sometimes overlook. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. How many blessings have we received from the hands of the Lord for which we have returned no thanks whatsoever? There was a certain clergyman who kept an account of the sick persons that he had visited for more than 20 years. And over the course of those years, some of his parishioners had died, but a considerable number of them had recovered. And among those who had been restored to health, the minister recorded that 2,000 of them had faced immediate prospects of death, but they had expressed repentance. And through this man of God's diligence, the 2,000 had also made a profession of faith in Jesus. However, because a tree is best known by its fruits, as Jesus himself taught, the sincerity of their professions of faith had to be tested and proven. And so here was the bottom line. Out of those 2,000 persons who had been at the point of death, only two, let me repeat, only two, by their future lives had proved that their repentance had been sincere and that their conversions had been genuine. That was the testimony of a clergyman who had taken time to keep records as a testimony. Sadly, that means that out of the 2,000, 1,998 returned to their formerly careless and sinful ways of living with ungrateful indifference to the Lord. Unfortunately, I believe this account is very telling of people in general. But let it not be said of you and me, right? 
Well, I was delighted recently to be invited to a special Thanksgiving celebration in Jerusalem. A friend who wants to give public thanks for his healing from a terrible disease wrote to me. The sudden assault of sickness against his body had threatened his very life. And I was just one of many believers who had prayed in faith for his full recovery. And so I was very impressed that my friend wrote to say that he wants to hold a public Thanksgiving dinner to honor the Lord, our healer. This kind of devotion to the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord is too rare. How many times have we been healed by the Lord but failed to thank Him in public? However, my friend and his family are showing excellent character by returning heartfelt gratitude to the Lord. And I believe this is proper protocol to honor the Holy Spirit. You see, the Gospels have an amazing account of the healing of ten lepers all at once by the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. This amazing and outstanding multiple miracle of ten lepers being healed all at once is particularly outstanding because in the Bible, Miriam, the sister of Moses, was healed of leprosy. And later, a Gentile from Syria, a general by the name of Naaman, was also healed of leprosy under the ministry of the prophet Elisha. Both healings were Old Testament miracles, but there was never any other case of a Jewish leper being healed in the Bible until the advent of the ministry of Jesus. There was certainly no medical cure for the dreaded disease of leprosy in those days. In the Torah, in the book of Leviticus, God had made detailed provision concerning the cleansing of leprosy. Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14 certainly record the fact that God expected leprosy at some point to be healed. But until Jesus' ministry, the Levitical priesthood had never been confronted with the opportunity to follow the very detailed instructions in Leviticus concerning ceremonies for both cleansing a leper and anointing a healed former leper. And that's why the rabbis taught that only the Messiah would have the power to heal a leper. Jesus himself pointed out at the beginning of his ministry, as recorded in Luke chapter 4, besides Naaman, the Syrian general healed of leprosy under Elisha's ministry, no Israelite had been healed of leprosy. Leprosy was a symbol of sin, which the Messiah alone could cleanse. So this was a miracle reserved for Messiah and the disciples of the Messiah. You see, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, his instructions had been in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Well, I've always wondered why Jesus said to heal the sick but cleanse lepers. Why the distinction between leprosy? And why was it not put in with sickness? I never understood this wording until I did a Bible study on the subject this week. The Lord used the verb to cleanse lepers and not just to heal lepers because there was a ceremonial and Levitical process as prescribed in the Bible 
involved in verifying the healings and thus in giving glory to God. And furthermore, leprosy was in a class all by itself because it was a disease that was especially symbolic of sin. In fact, leprosy is an idiom in the Bible for sin. Besides healing, the leper required a ceremonial cleansing or purification. In that sense, Jesus became a leper upon the cross because he bore all the sins and sicknesses of the world when he made the atonement. By the grace of God, I've ministered in a leper colony in Africa, and the physical ramifications of the disease are surely horrific. Lepers have many sores, sometimes missing fingers, missing toes, damaged limbs, and other disfigurements and deformities. The disease can take years to run its course, and in that time span, entire limbs can be lost. Because of the many marvels of modern medicine, it's not easy for us to imagine how horrible the disease was 2,000 years ago when Jesus, the great physician, walked this earth and poured out his compassion on the maimed. And don't forget, the psychological, the emotional pain of lepers was just as bad as the physical pain and the deformities. Lepers had to be removed from society, banished from family, friends, and community. There could be no more physical contact, no hugs, no kisses, because lepers were confined to colonies where they begged for food and had to yell unclean to keep people away from the contagion. Jesus was in a unique class above any prophet who's ever appeared on the scene as an extraordinary miracle worker. In Deuteronomy 18 and 15, Moses had prophesied that a prophet like himself would arise in Israel and that the people should listen to the prophet resembling Moses. Under the leadership of Moses, the Hebrews were fed supernatural manna, bread from heaven. Jesus the prophet, like unto Moses, also supernaturally fed thousands of hungry people by multiplying bread and fish. Moses parted the waters. Jesus walked on water. Miriam was healed of leprosy when her brother Moses cried out to God to heal her. But first she had to suffer outside the camp for seven days of punishment for her impudence. But Jesus healed multiple lepers. There are scores of many specific miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, although the Apostle John testified that there were many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were all written down, John said, I suppose that even the world itself couldn't contain all the books that would be written. However, amongst the abundance of Jesus' miracles, there were four types of miracles that would help the Jewish people to recognize the Messiah's identity when he appeared. The first messianic miracle was the healing of a leper. And Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 40, records Jesus healing a man with leprosy. To set the stage, Mark records this attention-grabbing messianic miracle in the very first chapter of his gospel. 
A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged Jesus, falling on his knees, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was warm with indignation against the disease and against the very idea of whether or not he would even be willing to heal in the first place. So Jesus reached out his hand and breaking all social convention, he actually touched the leper saying, I am willing, be clean. Immediately the dreaded hideous disease vanished and the man was healed as well as cleansed from sin. What a great messianic miracle. Well, Jesus sent the man away with a strong warning. He said, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but instead he commanded the man to go straight away to present himself to the priest and to offer the specific sacrifices that Moses had commanded in the book of Leviticus for the cleansing of a leper. This healing would constitute a great testimony to the priests of Jesus' generation. Naturally, it was important for the former leper to verify this great miracle to the religious authorities. It was a major sign and witness to the priesthood that the Messiah had finally arrived and his name was Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth. But concerning the ten lepers who were healed in a mass healing, Jesus also instructed them to go to the Jewish priests. And they had to start walking by faith. And as they set out in faith, their healings began to manifest before their very eyes. Toes and fingers began to grow back. Astonishing restorations were taking place simultaneously. This was so amazing that one of the lepers, a Samaritan, came back and fell down at the feet of Jesus and thanked him with a loud, emotional voice. Jesus said there were ten cleansed. Where were the other nine? Yet only one of the ten took the time to return to express to Jesus gratitude for his great love and mercy. Luke chapter 17 records the extraordinary account in verse 15 says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back to Jesus, praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself to the ground at the feet of Jesus in thanksgiving. By the way, although I've read this passage many times in my life, I've noticed something that I'd not seen before. And receiving fresh revelations is one of the great adventures of regularly reading through the Bible year by year. It's the nature of this Word of God, because this is a living book, that we will continually see new insights and receive fresh revelations as we faithfully read this Word of God year in and year out. So this time I noticed that the Gospel of Luke informs us of an interesting detail. This grateful healed leper happened to be a Samaritan. You see, Samaritans were people who were generally despised by the Jews as being what they considered half-breeds. But in the Bible, Jesus has wonderful encounters with Samaritans, such as the woman at the well 
in John chapter 4. And of course, one of his best-known parables is the parable of the Good Samaritan who had mercy on an injured soul by the Jericho Road. Well, in Luke 17, 17, Jesus answered, Were not all ten cleansed? Where then are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, the Samaritan? And then Jesus characteristically said to him, Rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, as I said at the beginning of the program, I was absolutely delighted to receive an invitation to a special Thanksgiving celebration in Jerusalem by a friend who has purpose to give public thanks for his healing from a terrible disease. The illness had been a sudden threat against his very life. Unless God had intervened and healed him, the prognosis was an early death. I'm so impressed that he wants to hold a public Thanksgiving dinner to honor the Lord, our healer. Friends, this kind of devotion to the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord, our healer, I believe is too rare. How many times have we been healed by the Lord but fail to thank him publicly? My friend and his family are showing excellent character and proper spiritual protocol to return heartfelt gratitude to the Lord. Because after all, none of us likes ingratitude. When we do things for people, even if we're not especially expecting a thank you, it's still a wonderfully refreshing thing when sincere gratitude comes in the form of a note, a card, a phone call, and so forth. If we don't like the attitude of ingratitude, how do we think God himself feels? Well, when preaching a sermon on the 10 lepers that were healed by Jesus, the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, once said that there's something notable about this account, and that is the number of those who pray is always greater than the number who prays. You see, all 10 lepers prayed. They all petitioned Jesus to be healed, but only one of them returned to praise and magnify God. The bottom line is, not all who pray also have the presence of mind to praise. There are cases where a whole ship's crew have prayed during a violent storm, and yet none of the same crew members stopped to sing the praises of God when the storm was calmed. If we receive benefits from the Lord, shouldn't we thank Him, and especially publicly? Many years ago, I read all the books written by the man of God, Gordon Lindsay, the founder of Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, and a wonderful man of faith. By the way, he was the father of my Israeli friend, Shira Sokoram, who has a congregation along with her husband in Tel Aviv. Her father, Gordon Lindsay, was one of the few authors that I've seen put in writing that when a person is healed, he should give public testimony. And he should also have the courtesy to thank any minister or evangelist whom God used in the healing. Not that we give glory to individuals. No, all glory goes to the Lord, our healer. But God does purpose to use the faith of human instruments. And we should never be ashamed to say when a person, no matter how flawed that individual might be, 
was the human instrument that God used to bring healing into our bodies and lives. And we should thank them for their faith. This, I believe, is a matter of character and spiritual protocol. Even Jesus, who wasn't running a popularity contest, knew that a certain protocol had been broken by the nine lepers when he said, were there not ten who were healed? Where are the other nine? Their failure to give thanks was a breach in protocol and human decency. This teaching also brings to mind the practice of one of my favorite healing evangelists. As a matter of habit, whenever he asks God to honor one of the Bible's many promises, he always ends his prayer by adding, And I thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer, and I thank you for answering it. And this man gets many prayers answered, too. You see, thanksgiving is vital, and God honors it. There is indeed a protocol in most spiritual things, and the wise among us will recognize and honor it. Let's observe, for example, the directions of our great physician. By sending the healed lepers to the Jewish priest, Jesus himself not only honored the law and the protocol of God, which had prescribed this conduct, but he also secured the testimony of the appointed judge and witness of the cure. Bible commentary says that since leprosy was considered to be both inflicted and cured by the hand of God himself, Jesus was giving evidence of his messiahship to the Jewish priests. The healings proved that he was indeed the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed, exactly whom he professed to be. And the Messianic miracles proved it. Not one of the ten lepers was considered, by the way, too advanced in the disease. Not one was considered to be unworthy for healing. They were all healed. Interestingly, their healing wasn't even predicated upon their attitude of gratitude or their lack thereof. But Jesus' delight in the one who returned to give thanks is nevertheless noteworthy. And there are other lessons to be learned from this episode in the Bible. When God has healed you, always have the presence of mind, not only to thank him, but also to thank the human instrument. If another person has been involved, such a person could have anointed you with oil or perhaps laid their hands upon you in the name of Jesus in faith. They need to be encouraged to do more and their faith should be honored because genuine faith for healing is much too rare in the first place. Concerning discouragement in the ministry, a great preacher once said, if I were to fish for a week and only catch one fish, I'd be sorry. But if the solitary fish turned out to be a sturgeon, a royal fish, I'd somehow feel the quality of the fish made up for the lack of quantity. Yes, my friends, in this life, we're privileged to catch both big fish and little fish. But when you actually think about it, any soul that's won for Jesus is a priceless prize. How beautiful is the soul of a man or a woman who will live forever. One soul brought to the Lord, 
we can't possibly estimate its value, for one living soul is more valuable than inanimate universes. So if you save only one other soul, you should be grateful and persevere. And above all, don't be despondent if some of the people you help in this life don't return to show any gratitude. Ingratitude is common towards soul winners and healing evangelists, after all. But I pray, let not ingratitude be found in me and in you, right? As the Apostle Paul admonished us in everything, give thanks. We have to beware lest a thankless spirit causes us to lose many things that we take for granted. As my friend wrote to me in thanksgiving for his healing, quoting Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who saves your life from destruction and crowns you with tender mercies and loving kindness. You see, the good news is that Jesus had power over five Ds, diseases, demons, disorders, depression, and even death. He can give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. He can raise the dead. These messianic miracles are his credentials. Right now in this moment, I offer this same Jesus to you so that you'll never have to fear diseases or death. And even if you are alive when he returns, you'll also never die. He's wonderfully accessible right now because Jesus is alive and he's the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. But all you have to do is call upon him and he'll be right with you forever. Say amen. Well, I believe this Bible is a book about the last days and that there's a great tribulation period coming that will be far worse than all the suffering this world has endured up to this point. Jesus has warned us in advance that the church will be persecuted. But he also said we're not appointed to God's wrath because all of our judgment was taken by Jesus to Calvary. So I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. This is our blessed hope. And then all of Israel shall be saved and grafted back again into God's olive tree of blessings. Therefore, I pray that anybody watching or listening to this program will be ready for the moment of death or when Jesus appears. So I urge you to repent of all known sin and call upon the name of the Lord while he can still be found and while he's still available and accessible. The Bible promises that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved, for there is no other name given whereby men can be saved, but the name of Jesus in his Hebrew name is Yeshua, meaning God is salvation. Amen. Well, if you'd like to view this program again, or if you'd like to watch our other TV programs concerning Israel, divine healing, or understanding the times, you can visit our website daily, and also I invite you to stay in touch through the social media. Our web address is exploits.tv. We invite you to click online to receive a free color copy of our magazine, Exploits. And at our website, you can explore our archive of past videos 
And you'll find daily news updates, prayer pointers, and commentaries about important events, as well as details of our upcoming prayer convocations in the Holy Land. The fellowship with like-minded believers during our convocations is very precious indeed. So until the next time that we're together, earnestly contending for the faith and always reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.